Shalom, everybody. This is Rabin Deborah Brandt, and we want to welcome you to our first Women of Valor webinar hosted by Deborah's Messianic Ministries and the Judaic Studies Institute. You'll have three experienced women of God sharing with you today uh, with each uh, a unique aspect of their ministry. And what happened was um, when we were live recording this, I forgot to record my own video. I recorded the audio, but I didn't record the video. So this is a re-record, but actually it turned out to be a blessing because I'm able to share everything in my notes that I wasn't able to uh, the other day. So you'll have additional information on this webinar. So we welcome you. Uh, again, this is the first, but hopefully not the last. We plan on having more of these uh, webinars for women. And also we want to schedule some for the men as well with seasoned uh, Messianic rabbis that I know sharing their insight to encourage the men. And we are here to encourage the women in your calling and your ministry to bring encouragement and healing I'm eventually going to be working on a guide for women in ministry, especially from a, <clears throat> excuse me, a messianic perspective. Uh, it'll be uh, with articles I've written before, insights, uh, worksheets, you know, how to, you know, write a vision, how to know what you're called to do. So you have some kind of reference point to look at. So hopefully I'll have that done uh, by the end of the year. Just a little bit about myself. Uh, Deborah's Messianic Ministries was founded. Uh, it'll be, well, it was 24 years ago this day. And next year will be our 25th anniversary. And it's interesting because the Ruach brought me back to my roots when uh the day that Israel was celebrating their 50th anniversary as a nation, all of a sudden something quickened in my spirit and drew me back to my, my Jewish roots. I had a grandmother who was born again, who kept the Shabbat, who, you know, loved, you know, Yahweh with all her heart, soul, and spirit. My parents were divorced. So whenever we had an opportunity, we were able to go to visit her and she taught me the word. She taught me about Shabbat. So that has been, you know, in really my life, my whole life. And he brought me back to my roots. I've been a believer for uh, 48 years now. Uh, and I'm very blessed and thankful to the Father that, you know, he has given me the opportunity and the privilege to serve him and the privilege to share his word with you. I am the president of the of Deborah's Messianic Ministries. We also have a congregation, which is an outreach of Deborah's Messianic Ministries called the Way of Messiah Messianic Congregation. We've been a congregation for 17 years and I lead along with my husband. Again, all the women you hear speaking today are married and have husbands who support their ministries. And you may say, well, I'm single, you know, who do I have to support me? Well, we're gonna look at that down the road. Uh, what the Judaic uh, Institute, sorry, the Judaic Study Institute has to offer uh, you as a woman of God. Again, the Judaic Studies Institute 
I am the director and the curriculum developer along with student advisor. And what happened was a uh, good friend of mine, Rabbi Mordecai Silver, who uh, again, God made a divine appointment that we met and became good friends. And just one thing, you know, rolled into another uh, himself and Rabbi Philip Hammond, who's from Australia, started the Judaic Studies Institute uh, probably over 10 years ago. And down the road, Rabbi Silver asked me to join as an instructor. Eventually, I became the curricular curriculum developer and developed all the classes and the different programs within the Judaic Studies Institute. Um, again, offering materials from uh, they're very solid and Bible-based and Hebraic-based. All of us as instructors have our own materials that we've written uh, for the Institute. We actually have four um, programs that we offer and we are authorized to issue approved certificates, diplomas and degrees as a non-for-profit school. We are, these uh, degrees are not, uh, accredited where you can uh, carry them over to a uh, university uh, because we are not for profit and our sole purpose is to train people for the ministry. Um, however, all the classes you take within the Judaic Studies Institute can roll over into different programs if you decide to progress. Uh, one of the first classes, well, one of the classes we offer are certificate classes. You take what classes you want for continuing education and spiritual growth and earn approved certificates per class completed. In fact, even today, you're gonna to earn a certificate. Uh, those who joined in live, again, this is only offered for those who have uh, were live, you, are, uh, you will earn a certificate for this class. You can earn one of the following diplomas in the area of number one, Diploma in Messianic Discipleship. This is a new program. It's something that's been on my heart for years because I'm very strong about the importance of discipleship, getting people grounded in the foundation of the word of God. And there's 12 classes required to earn a diploma. This is a great course. And when I say classes, I'm not talking about a one day class, you're talking about eight, probably eight to 10 weeks per class, uh, you'll receive uh, the curriculum books that I wrote for these classes, additional handouts, uh, audio files, and also access to uh, myself as a mentor, if you have any questions or don't understand something. And this is a great course for congregations as well to disciple the people. And we require this in our congregation. Why? So we're all on the same page. We all understand where we're coming from, what the foundation is. And this is, you know, this isn't just easy, basic stuff. This is strong uh, curriculum based upon the word of God coming from a messianic uh, point of view. We also have a diploma in Judaic studies, which we, there's over 30 classes offered and we're continually <clears throat> adding on to the classes. We recently added some courses on uh, teaching, how to be a teacher, what goes into teaching, how to put you know, classes together. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, there's 20 classes required, so you choose what classes are required to earn the diploma, and we're here to work with you 
uh, to help you, you know, pick the classes that'll work the best for you. Uh, we also include RPL related prior learning from other classes you've taken. So say you've taken the Messianic Discipleship class and you decide you wanna go on and earn a diploma in Judaic studies, we will credit you with those 12 classes towards your diploma in Judaic studies. <clears throat> and there is uh, requirements to write a report for each class. So we know that you have an understanding of what you studied. The third option we have is I'm sorry, the uh, fourth option, we have the certificate classes is option number one. Uh, diploma Messianic Discipleship, Diploma in Judaic Studies, which again is a result of the certificate classes. If you, if you finish 20 of those, you will earn a diploma in Judaic Studies. However, the certificate classes, you can use just as continuing education, or if you're only interested in certain studies, you can do that and just earn certificates as you go. And our last course is an associate's degree, not our last, I'm sorry, is an associate's degree as a Messianic Mesherath or minister. Maybe you're not called to lead a congregation. Uh, that is not the majority of the ministry. The majority of the ministry is those that are working within the congregation and outside the congregation. And there's great needs there for people to fulfill their calling. It requires 30 classes. And again, some of these classes uh, deal with leadership as well and uh, writing your vision, how to know what God's called you to do and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we help you and walk you through those things. And then the last program is the a degree program. You can earn a degree in Judaic studies. And again, all the classes, if you've taken classes from any of these, <clears throat> they can roll over into uh, some of these degrees. We have an associate's degree in Judaic studies, a bachelor's degree in Judaic studies. We have a master's, which is required for rabbinical ordination. And then we also offer a PhD program. And the catalogs can be found on our JSA website, which is a part of Deborah's Messianic Ministries. You can just uh, click on that link. And if you want more information, just email me. I know we already have just the live uh, some webinar we did, there were some ladies that are a part of the Judaic Studies Institute. So we've had great testimonies and people have been really blessed. <clears throat> Again, we offer the <clears throat> diploma in Messianic Discipleship and we require this for anybody within our ministry that wants to work within the ministry, especially in the area of teaching as well. JSI plans on having four seminars a year for continued education in Messianic Jewish studies. Those who attend the seminars will receive an approved certificate from JSI. We recently had one with Rabbi Mordecai Silver, who taught on understanding uh, the Hebraic understanding of Rabbi Shaul or uh, Paul the Apostle. And it was an excellent study. It was a four-hour class. If you, again, you can take this class as part of our JSI program. Uh, the next JSI Life Certificate class starts August 3rd. Now, this is a class <clears> that is about eight to 10 weeks. And it's all our classes are all, our live classes are always on Wednesday night at 7:30. And we're going to be looking at the crash course in Jewish history. Uh, written by Rabbi Spiro, but I also have a lot of additional information as well. The cost is $75 per student. <clears throat> you must enroll with an application 
Uh, and again, we will send you that information after this webinar. Future seminars are being planned. We'd uh, love to have a leadership conference. Uh, we're still working on that. Uh, seminars will be announced as planned. And again, you can find more details on our website, which also includes the catalogs and enrollment information as well. Again, we've kept these classes as inexpensive as possible. For the, and these are high, these are high quality classes um, with people that have been walking with the Lord and studying the word for many, many, many years. So you are going to get a great education at JSI. Also, you'll be receiving, again, those who attended the live conference only, a certificate from the Judaic uh, Study Institute regarding uh, having completed this class. So let's go on. We want to, and again, there's four things as a, as a woman of God that you need to know regarding uh, knowing your calling, what has the Father called you to do. Not what you want to do in your own mind, but what is your specific calling, knowing your place in the body of Messiah. You know, there isn't any place that is more important than the other. There are like the fivefold ministry and the, and the teaching ministries have a greater responsibility, uh, a greater uh, accountability because of the, the influence that we have upon people's lives and our influence better be in line with the word of God. But there are no in, you know, unimportant ministries within the body. Every ministry is important, just as the body. Again, well, Rabbi Shaul used that as an example. Every part is important. Every function in the body is important, down to the minutest cell that you could only see under a microscope, that if they aren't functioning properly, you could become very sick or even die. So again, don't let the enemy tell you, unless you are well-known, you're not doing anything for the kingdom. You know what? You're well-known to the Father, and that's what's important. Know your gifts. What are the gifts that God has given you, the Father has given you? Whatever he has called you to, he has equipped you with those gifts to fulfill what he has called you to do. And know your anointing. What are you anointed to do? Again, we each have a specific anointing upon our life to accomplish what the Father has called us to do. And hopefully, you'll this seminar will start you on the road to, to that calling and to understanding what he has called you to do. So we're going to be looking at a women call, but it is not an easy road. Knowing your calling and knowing your gifts, perseverance. This is so required because you know what? Nothing the Father called you to do is easy, but He is there to give again, equipped you, and the enemy is to, will try in every way to stop you. And you have to persevere no matter what. What is burning in your heart to do? Listen to the Ruach, listen to your spirit regarding your calling, accountability and submission to His will. What is your vision? He will give, with your calling, he will give you confirmations. Uh, preparing yourself via study, biblical education is essential. And having a servant's heart. You're not called to be a celebrity, but a servant. You know, again, so many times we think, wow, if our name is not well known, 
if we're not up there teaching thousands of people and if we don't have the biggest ministry, we're not doing anything. Well, that's the lie of the enemy because whatever you've done, you, you are called to do is important in the body of Messiah. Misunderstood. How many times have strong women been labeled as a Jezebel because God has blessed them with leadership qualities? Again, if you look at the book I sent you, Daughters of Israel and their impact in the kingdom, past, present, and future, you will see that God has always used women uh, in, the, in the ministry to uh, fulfill a calling. And the enemy hates women. Why? Because they were uh, the first woman, you know, uh, all the way to uh, the Messiah's birth carried that word with them that seed is within us that seed to bring forth life yes we you know we need the man to provide that seed but we have the eggs we have the um the blessing to that that life is growing in our womb and we're protecting it and we're praying over it and psalm 130 uh psalm 139 one of my favorite psalms says we are fearfully and wonderfully made and even at your conception all your gifts your calling and your anointing are there and how sad so many people have chose to reject God and use their gifts for the for the kingdom of Satan instead of the kingdom of God again women have been accused that we're trying to usurp a man's authority I can't tell you how many times that you know people have uh come to our congregation and have belittled uh, my husband, Minister Scott, because I'm the one who teaches. He says, listen, I know my wife has been called to teach. I know that is her anointing, and I am not going to stop her from doing what God called her to do. Why? Because he knows who he is in Messiah. He knows what his calling and authority is. He knows that his call is evangelistic. He hears from God. He's a, he's a man of God, and he knows who he is, and we are a team, and he is that backbone because I couldn't do this, you know, without him alongside me and encouraging me to do what God has called me to do. And that goes for Priscilla and <clears throat> Dina as well, that they, their husbands back the anointing and call upon their lives. And they know what their call and anointing is on their life. Being a woman called to ministry is a much tougher position than when a man is in a leadership position. Why? Because we are put under more scrutiny. We are, you know, like judged a lot more uh, than a man would be. Uh, but we need to, again, our focus needs to, to please the father and not man. We are called to please the father and be obedient to him. We need to keep our lives and homes in balance and show ourselves to be truly women of God who only want to serve God. Again, our ministry starts in our house. But, you know, uh, but it also, God can, you know, wants to branch us out as well to reach others for him. And, you know, I always tell people, you know, where there are people, there is ministry. So there is ministry opportunities, no matter where you are. I don't know how many times I've taught on a topic only to hear someone in our congregation extol the teaching of a male counterpart and say the same thing I just taught on for weeks and weeks as if they never heard it before. You know, you just need to say, oh, well, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, why? Because, you know, we're, we've been trained that, you know, only uh, a man has 
the uh, authority to teach and any value in teaching. Well, that's not true according to the word God. You know, I respect male teachers there. I am not a woman's liber. I, ha- I was rabbinically ordained by two Messianic Jewish rabbis, and I spent over five years, you know, longer than that, if you look at my whole walk, you know, studying the word and being prepared for this, and they saw something in me that they knew that there was a call there, and they encouraged me. They helped me along the way and passed the baton on to me, so to speak, so we can go for and pass it forward, or that they say pay it forward, help others to be trained and encouraged for the work that God's called, called them to do. Also, the critics of my husband, Minister Scott, has endured from other men because I am the teacher. Again, I'm an ordained rabbi, taught by Messianic Jewish rabbis. He is an evangelist. He loves sharing the word with people. He loves talking about Yeshua wherever he is. If he has an opportunity, he'll share it. We know that we are one in Messiah, each fulfilling what the Almighty Father has called us to do as a team. Again, we are one. We are a team, but we have different callings and different anointings. And But those callings and anointings uh, melt together as one. They work together. We need to constantly be on guard so that pride does not get a hold of us or bitterness. Again, we have to guard against pride because the more well-known you are, the more that people, quote, follow you or follow your teaching, you know, the enemy can come in and put pride in your heart, make you think, wow, how great am I? Look how many people are following me on Facebook. Look how many books I've sold. Look at how God is using me. No, we need to continually walk humbly before him and knowing that his gifts, his favor and his calling is from him. We need to again, guard against bitterness. There are so many opportunities to become bitter in ministry because one day you are, people will be extolling how wonderful a teach you are, how blessed they are by you. And then if you say one thing or bring correction that they don't agree with, the next day they're talking against you and just saying just the opposite. So again, your approval cannot come through man. You have to be faithful to walk in what God called you to do and not to look for the approval of men, but look for God's approval. We need to keep our spiritual lives in order and our homes in order. We need to make sure that we never bring a reproach on the name of God because of actions that are not considered proper for a woman. You know, and that includes the clothes we wear, the dresses we wear. Our cleavage should not be showing. We should not be wearing leotards to and a short top to be teaching uh especially a mixed group, men and, you know, men and women of God, we need to be, again, proper women of God. And now I know a lot of women wear head coverings and that's, that's fine. You know, that's your decision. I personally don't, but I personally make sure that I dress modestly and that, you know, I do not bring a caught, I'm not a stumbling block to anybody who teaches me because what happens is when, you know, people look at you as an example and if they they see you dressing a way that's improper, they may get the impression that, oh, that must be okay. Cause you know, she's a woman of God and, you know, God uses her. So it must be okay to dress that way. No, it's not. We are called to dress again as a godly woman. And again, not to bring a reproach unto the father. 
We must avoid self-pity when we experience all of the above, realizing that the only approval we need to be concerned about <clears throat> is God's or the Almighty. I don't want to offend anybody if they, you know, they get offended because I use the term God. I know his name is Yudhe Vavhe Elohim. I use it, you know, uh, as you know, the Ruach, you know, puts on my heart, but I also have to be sensitive to the fact that there are Jewish women who may be listening to this teaching and, you know, they're taught not to speak the name. They say Adonai or Hashem out of respect to his name. So don't cause that to be a stumbling block. Believe me, we've had the, uh, sacred name people come into our congregation and start teaching us how we, you know, that, that you, know, you should be saying that, you know, the father's name and you shouldn't be saying Jesus. And we use the name Yeshua, but sometimes when we have songs, even you know, some messianic music uh, ministers out there will say Jesus, you know, and that's because people don't understand <clears throat> how the word was translated. Yes, we use the name Yeshua and we use uh, the name Yahweh Elohim in its appropriate place when we are speaking of the word. He is our father. To me, that's the most appropriate name that, that those as believers use, that he is our father, Abba Father. As women, we have a unique perspective. We have been blessed with deeper spiritual insight and discernment in the heart of a mother. Again, Dean is going to be uh, sharing this uh, as well in her teaching. Uh, we do not have to act like a man in order to be accepted. Again, we are fearfully and wonderfully made as women of God. If we are anointed and speak forth the truth and those who have discerning hearts will take heed to our words and our teaching and they will look past um, the package that it's in, whether it's a man or a woman, but they will take heed to the word and the anointing that is going forth uh, from these vessels of God. And you are a vessel of the Father. You are a vessel of Yahweh Elohim. He has given you those gifts because he knows that you are capable of fulfilling that calling and that anointing upon your life. Reverend uh, Martha Luper, again, what women can be and do is revealed by God's call on the life of biblical women. Again, I go into this in more detail in my book that you received. Reverend Martha Luper says that the following in her article, quote, what a woman can be and do is revealed by God's call or the Father's call on the life of biblical women. In the Hebrew scriptures, there is not the slightest bent that the father ever discriminated against women. Indeed, the holy scriptures themselves are the most powerful witness to the father's opportunities and giving natural and supernatural empowerment to women for a virtual unending and limitless range of ministries and works of service to God and man. She goes on to say, the truth is that gender bias in the church has always been rooted in the philosophy of, Gre of the Greco-Roman world, not in Holy Scripture or in Jewish tradition. The Father is consistent throughout the Tanakh and Brit Hadashah in his dealing with women. Far from being less than men, they are equal with men. Now I'm talking about in the spiritual aspect and how God can use them. You know, obviously men and women are different, but again, in marriage, they come together as one. Uh, the, the man is the warrior. He has the, the, you know, the physical power, the strength. He's a protector. Uh, the woman is the nurturer, the, really the teacher within the home. 
Uh, in creation, they are equal. In salvation, they are equal. In God's gifts and graces, they are equal. There is also an equality in proclamation so that all women dedicated to God and his service can be used where needed in ministry, administration, or leadership. Again, it is the father who gives the calling and the placing. And we see that in the tabernacle. We see that as you study the tabernacle and they were setting up camp, it was the father who instructed uh, Moshe where each camp was to be, what their place was, what their calling was, what each who that was the, the Nasi or the prince of each of the tribes who were the leaders who would serve within the tabernacle. It was not their personal choice. It was God's calling and he called each one to a specific position and they could not uh, leave that position or choose to go with uh, uh, somebody else. They had to uh, walk in that position that the fathers called them to be in. And right now I'm doing an extensive teaching on the book of Numbers or Bad Mibar uh, and how we can learn from the congregation in the wilderness how we should function as a congregation in the times we are living in, learning both by their uh, victories and also by their mistakes. Again, uh, however, women's greatest arena of ministry can and should be their own home and their children. It is in the homes of the Ishet Chayel that women of valor, that future apostles, prophets, evangelists, rabbis, and teachers, workers of the ministry, of Yeshua HaMashiach are being raised to reach the lost for the kingdom of God. Again, we need to reach the next generation should Yeshua tarry. And, you know, we go to be with the Father awaiting the resurrection and, and the return of our Messiah. We need to prepare that next generation to carry on that word, to carry on the calling that is within their life. That is a great, huge ministry out there to again to reach the young people because they are spiritually lost they have been fed so much garbage so many lies in the world that they need to know that the father is real and that he loves them and he has a plan and purpose for their life and whatever they've been called to do dr howard morgan in his article women in ministry anointed for service and robbed of opportunity says the following the position of women in ministry has for many centuries been troubling too much, troubling too much of the church. Uh, again, we see this in the messianic uh, area as well. There are some that will accept uh, women rabbis, women teachers, and there are some that absolutely will not accept them. However, as we go back to our Jewish roots, we discover that the true faith of Avraham provides both anointing and opportunity for women to fulfill their callings in the kingdom of God. As the church, or which we refer to as the kahila or assembly, because that's literally what it means in Hebrew and Greek, departed from her Jewish roots, she lost her understanding of the kingdom of God and adopted the pagan understanding of, quote, Gentile authority, which Yeshua warned us against and prohibited his disciples from emulating. This kind of authority by its nature is oppressive and repre represents and repress, I'm sorry, oppressive and repressive. It seeks to keep in power and authority those who by their military strength, political standing or financial resources 
have acquired dominant position in society. The kingdom of God, as it is revealed in the Jewish scriptures, is built upon an entirely different structure. The greatest in the kingdom of God are those who serve. Dr. John Garr of Restore Ministry says this in his article, The Biblical Woman, Lessons for Today's Church from its Hebraic Heritage. After two millennia as a new era dawned, much of Israel has been influenced by Hellenism's misogyny so that women were often denied equal opportunity before God. Uh, we see this where Yeshua rebuked um, some of the men for uh, divorcing their wives for no biblical reason at all so they can go marry somebody else. And not even giving them in some, in some cases a get or a bill of divorcement, you know, just leaving them and going on with somebody else. And he rebuked that and he showed, you know, again, the true um, reason for divorce, which was uh, adultery. And also, you know, I'm sure he included a women who are being abused. God does not expect a woman to be in an abusive relationship. Um, so again, there's no condemnation if you've been divorced. You need to go forward with him. Yes, he can, he can use you. Uh, we know there's many, many reasons and there's many women out there that have been hurt greatly uh, because of a divorce situation, but the father is there to heal you and Priscilla will uh, touch some of those as well in her teaching. Women's freedom to minister before God or our father was gradually withdrawn in second temple Judaism, though their material rights were protected by the edicts of halakha rendered by the sages, women found themselves more and more restricted to home and increasingly subservient relationships to father and husband. The coming of Yeshua brought a reformation of restoration to the original intents of the Torah. Yeshua elevated women to spiritual equality with men so that they could sit among the Talmudim or disciples at his feet and be covered with the dust of their rabbi and Lord. He goes on to say, Though some Christian theologians of subsequent centuries have suggested that it is not fitting and proper that a woman should carry the word of God, he, God, or Yudhevave Elohim, our father, arranged it so that one woman carried the word for nine months before anyone else saw him, Yeshua. Then in another twist of irony, he also provided that the first evangelist to proclaim the good news of the resurrection was a woman and a redeemed prostitute at that. Paul or Shaul encapsulated the Messiah's position regarding women in messianic service. Quote, there is neither male nor female for you are all one in Messiah. And he goes on to say as well, there's no Greek or Jew, we are one in him. Yet we still see men trying to build that wall of partition uh, again regarding the calling of Yahweh and uh, the importance of each human being by, you know, putting a petition still between Jew and Gentile, between uh, male and female. We are called to be one in Messiah. Yes, we know our physical place. We know our limitations. We know what God has called us to do as women, what God has called the men to do as men of, of God. But we are one in Messiah. And if you be messiahs, then are you heirs according to the promise, Galatians 3.28. 
Men and women share equal rights to inherit the promises, blessings, anointings, and appointments of the Father's kingdom. La Klaha, get up and go, and purpose in your hearts to leave Babylon's Gentile traditions and go to Jerusalem, where there is freedom and equality for men and women in the biblical Hebraic heritage of our faith. And this is a quote uh, by Liz Curtis Higgs. In the end, only the Lord's opinion truly matters. We are to be obedient and to please him and not men, as again, the apostles spoke in the book of Acts. Know your calling and know your gifts. Uh, I sent you a spiritual gifts test and this was developed. I didn't develop it, somebody else developed it. But it's helpful to find out what your strongest gifts are and what you know other gifts you may have. Again, you have a variety of gifts and um, what one uh, minister says, somebody asked him, well, what's the best gift? And he says, the one that you need at that time. <laughs> you know, so again, as you are, but you will have, there will be one that'll be the most prominent and that's your main gift. And then, so you wanna focus on developing those gifts that you have within you. And then within those callings, there are other gifts that work uh, together with your calling. Uh, in my book, I also sent you my book, um, Spiritual Gifts from Messiah, which goes into more detail of the gifts of the Ruach. We are a spirit-filled ministry. We believe in the gifts of the Ruach. We believe in being filled with the Ruach, uh, praying in the spirit. Those are gifts. They were gifts back then, and they are gifts that are needed today as well. They have not been done away with. If you believe that, you need to get back into the scriptures and study the word. I cover that in our in our uh, class in the book of Acts and also the Zadok. God, <laughs> we desperately need those gifts today to be able to walk in those anointings and callings that are upon our life. So again, our responsibility then is to know what the Father has called us to do to develop those those gifts through training, <coughs> excuse me, so that we can fulfill our ministry and calling. So one of the gifts is leadership. Leadership aids the body by leading and directing members to accomplish the goals and the purposes of the kahila or assembly. Leadership motivates people to work together in unity toward common goals. Again, look all through biblical history. The father always has leaders to keep things in order. But you also see how people try to usurp that authority of leaders. I mean, we see what Moshe had to deal with in his leadership. <clears throat> we need to respect the leadership that the father has put in place. Uh, again, to lead and direct us. There would be total chaos if we didn't have spiritual leadership. Uh, second, administration. Persons with the gift of administration lead the body by steering others to remain on task. <clears throat> Again, if you're, you know, as uh, I have to just give myself as an example, as us as leaders, I need that gift of administration as well to keep everything in order and to, you know, to know who uh, should be uh, functioning in what ministry. Administration enables the body to organize according to God-given pur 
purposes and long-term goals. It's funny, no matter where I worked and even in ministry, the one thing people say, you know, you are so organized. Well, you know, it's like, I need to be, you need to be organized if you're in any kind of position of ministry. I don't mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Again, you'll find these gifts laid out <clears throat> in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 as well. Then there's teaching. Teaches is instructing members in the truths and doctrines of God's word for purposes of building up, unifying, and maturing the body. Again, uh, the fivefold ministry gifts, yes, teaching goes with all those gifts, but because you can't uh, lead without being able to teach, but there are other aspects of teaching as well. You could be called to be a, a teacher of children to be a teacher of youth, uh, to be a teacher of women, to be, uh, <laughs> again, an itinerant teacher, excuse me, <clears throat> doing this early in the morning. So my throat is kind of clearing up here. But there are very many different aspects. Again, don't fall into trap of thinking unless you are in the forefront, <clears throat> unless everybody uh, knows who you are that you're not fulfilling your calling. Well, that's a lie because your greatest audience, the greatest one who is watching you is the father above. Knowledge, the gift of knowledge, uh, again, this is a spiritual gift, manifests itself in teaching and training in discipleship. Again, there's a twofold. There's a natural knowledge, which is required through study and through, again, <clears throat> you have that gift of studying and teaching and training and putting things together in order to discipleship people. Uh, but there's also that spiritual gift of knowledge where the father will give a word through the spirit to reveal truth. Uh, it, it can even happen, you know, many times, even as I'm teaching, all of a sudden I'll have that a revelation or knowledge regarding what I am teaching, you know, from the Ruach, a greater depth of understanding. <clears throat> there's a gift of wisdom. Wisdom is the gift that discerns the work of the Ruach HaKodesh in the body and applies his teachings and actions to the needs of the body. I just want to get my tree of life because I want to read at the end. Again, the scriptures we're referring to from this section. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, again, the, there's also the spiritual gift of wisdom. The word, uh, a gift of wisdom gives you the ability to, again, apply his teachings and actions to the needs of the body, but it's also a gift that gives you the wisdom. And Dr. Dina Dye is going to be talking about wisdom and how to do it, what to do, you know, whether you're teaching and minister or even on your job. You know, the, the Ruach will give you the wisdom if you come across something, you're not sure how to do it, or your minister, you're not sure what to do or how to put something together. That gift of wisdom is there to, again, help you to uh, do what he has called you to do, how to apply it, how to, again, uh, to the needs of the body. And again, it could even be <clears throat> on your job as well. You know, so many times on my job, I would come across a situation where I wasn't sure what to do or how to handle it, or maybe I made a mistake and I thought, oh no, how do I fix this? You know, I would just stop and pray and ask for the Ruach, please give me the wisdom on how to fix this or how to do this. And the answer came and I knew exactly what to do and how to fix it. 
uh, prophecy, the gift of prophecy is proclaiming the word of God boldly. Again, that's what, if you look at the Greek, uh, it's not only prophetic, you know, for, you know, telling something that might happen in the future, but it is also, again, it's the preaching and teaching proclaiming of the word boldly. Again, that the term prophet is, again, uh, is a position in the fivefold ministry, but it's also a position that's been abused. We really need to be discerning uh, regarding prophetic words. Yes, I believe God does give prophetic words. I believe that he does warn us of things to come. I remember uh, reading stories about um, Brother Andrew, who was a Messianic Jewish believer many years ago. He started Voice of the Martyrs. And he'd be talking, this was before the uh, fall of the Soviet Union, uh, but the believers would be meeting in their houses secretly because you could be arrested and thrown in the gulag, you know, for studying the word and tortured and all kinds of horrible things. And they would be in one house studying together. And the rule I could tell them, don't meet here tomorrow because somebody, they are going to come and they are going to uh, break into this house and arrest you. Again, that is a prophetic word. That is a word of, of prophecy showing them something that is going to happen. So the next day they says, okay, you know, the rock showed them where they were to meet. And sure enough, the next day, the KGB came to the house that they would have been in, but they didn't because they listened to the voice of the Ruach and found nobody there because they were going to arrest them. <clears throat> so again, there are people uh, with, and again, that, that gift works in us because the Ruach he may, you know, you may want to go someplace and the Ruach says, no, you don't go there today, go there another day. Again, we need to be sensitive to the gifts of the Ruach in our life. <clears throat> and that goes to, uh, goes for again, what we teach and preach. And again, this is going more into detail in my book. Discernment, we greatly need this gifts in the body. Again, this is a spiritual work of the Ruach. Discernment aids the body by recognizing the true intentions of those within or related to the body. Discernment tests the message and actions of others for their protection and well-being of the body. Okay, number one, we are, you know, there's so much information out there on the quote World Wide Web that, you know, it's easily to be deceived, you know, just because somebody has a YouTube uh, page or, you know, puts, post all kinds of YouTube teachings. We need to be discerning whether these people are really from the father. Believe me, the enemy is out there disguising themselves. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, trying to pull people away from the truth and telling them that they have a greater revelation or a new revelation. Or, you know, I've heard them some teach, oh, you're not saved unless you know how to pronounce the father's name, or you know how to pronounce Yeshua's name. And if you called on Jesus, you aren't really saved. Well, you know, that's a lie of the enemy. We need to know, again, we need to be educated in the word. We need to know this word inside and out. We need to know the uh, Hebraic, the Hebrew understanding of words, and even the Greek understanding of words. We need to be discerning because there are a lot of, a lot of deceivers out there deceiving you know, people that are, quote, consider themselves strong believers and fall for these erroneous teachings that are contrary to the word. 
uh, even us as ministers, <clears throat> when somebody comes in or has been in our ministry for a while, uh, we, we need that discernment because some people come in with uh, personal agendas and their personal agendas are not good. Their personal agendas, they come in so they can break up the body. Again, that's a work of Hasetan, so they can cause strife, so they can uh, take over and we need, again, the Ruach will warn us. He'll show us, you know, whether this, this person was sent by him or they came with wrong intentions. And that goes with anybody we listen to on the internet, even prophetic words. You know, we know those prophetic words need to be in line with the word of God. And again, the operation of a, of a quote, prophet, and again, this is a fivefold ministry that Yeshua gave, is not the same as the prophets in the Tanakh. Their, again, their calling was unique, unique as prophets, and their prophecies are still coming to pass this day, have come to pass, and are still coming to pass. So we need to be, again, if you study Torah, there's a test of a true prophet. So we don't swallow every, just because somebody calls them a prophet. Again, <laughs> YouTube is loaded with people that have, you know, prophetic words that they're giving and, and your spirit will bear witness that this is truly from him or not, you know, and you just put it in the shelf because every prophet needs to be tested. Every teacher, every fivefold ministry gift needs to be tested with the plumb line of the word of Yahweh Elohim, just because God, they, they give themselves a title doesn't mean God has called them to do that or they're speaking truth. So we need to be very discerning in the days we are living in because the word of God says that in the end times that even the elect could be deceived. Next is exhortation. Possessors of this gift encourage members to be involved in and enthusiastic about the work of the Lord. And again, in, in this teaching, I am exhorting you. I am encouraging you to walk in your gifts, be enthusiastic about what the Father has called you to do. Members with this gift are good counselors and motivate others to service. Again, you'll see different gifts will be working in whatever the Father has called you to do. Exhortation exhibits itself in preaching, teaching, and ministry. Again, as a teacher, as a rabbi, as a leader of a congregation, as an instructor of the Judaic Studies Institute, we constantly want to exhort people to uh, study his word and do the work of the ministry that the Father has called you to do and be obedient to the word. Again, exhorting you, encouraging you. <clears throat> and yes, correcting if necessary. Shepherding, the gift of shepherding is manifested in persons who look out for the spiritual welfare of others. Although pastors like shepherds do care for the members of the community of Messiah, this gift is not limited to a pastor or staff member. <clears throat> Again, they, have a, they are called to lead a community to be, uh, again, uh, to watch over them, watch over them with the correct teaching of the word, watch over them uh, with correction if necessary, if they start getting into error. Uh, again, pastor and shepherd are literally the, the same thing. A shepherd is one who watches over the flock, but even uh, itinerant teachers have a, a, a position of shepherding as well, because as they're teaching, they are trying, they are uh, teaching truth to protect the members from, again, wolves in sheep's clothing, which happens everywhere. 
And again, being, in, as Dina will mention, being a pastor or a rabbi, the head of a congregation is probably one of the toughest gifts, the toughest positions there are. And we know because we've been doing it for 17 years, but we are committed to stay the course, to do what the Father has called us to do in teaching and training his people, no matter what. Believe me, we've had our ups and downs. We've had our rejections, our hurts. People who walk in, they'll say, oh, the father told me to come here. Um, I prayed for a messianic congregation and I found you and oh, we are so happy to be here. Uh, I had one man say, you know, the earth is gonna have to open and swallow me up before I'll leave this place. And I found the ones who, <laughs> who do this are usually the ones who end up leaving within a month or two. You know why? Because we're not doing things the way they think it should be done. They don't come in with a humble attitude. And I tell people, even visitors that, you know, hey, we're blessed that you're here. We hope that you'll stay and be a part of this community. Uh, but you really need to pray, you know, as you're, as you're looking for a congregation, Father, where have you called me to serve? Where have you called me to use my gifts so that I can help be part of this community and reach the community around us for Messiah? Use my gifts to help this congregation, this uh, kahila, uh, this what you know, also refer to, again, as a synagogue. Help them to do what the fulfill the mission you have called them to do. We always pray, Father, bring us people in that have a team mentality, that have a servant's heart, that just want to serve you. Faith, faith, trust God to work beyond the human cap capabilities of the people. Again, this is uh, is you know the word says, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Again, faith uh, in Hebrew, imunah, trusting him, trusting him no matter what anything looks like. And then there's, you know, uh, the gift of faith. And we see that in the, in the workings of the great women of God in the Tanakh, uh, Elijah and Elisha are two of them. They had this great gift of faith. And yes, there were gifts. These gifts were in operation in the Tanakh as well, even though it only came upon certain people you know, to do what God has called them to do, those gifts were in operation. And now as believers, we all have access to those gifts that he has given to us because they have been placed within us to do what he has called us to do. Believers with this gift <coughs> encourage others to trust in God in the face of apparent insurmountable odds. Again, we are called to trust him beyond our own, uh, what we see, what we're able to do to make a way where there seems to be no way. We see this in the example, uh, ultimately in the life of our Messiah, Yeshua, who walked 100% in all of these gifts. Evangelism, God's gift, again, this is so needed. People are so focused and, you know, and again, teaching is important, but they're not going out there and ministering the word to people, reaching the lost. Again, we all have our circle of influence. We all have people that the Father has put within our path, within our lives, that we can minister to. If they don't know Messiah, we can plant seeds. Uh, we can share the love of Messiah with them. We can uh, help teach them, bring them into the community. 
This is so important. And it doesn't stop at evangelism because after evangelism, after somebody gets born again, there's the important work of discipleship, which again, you if you if you you know have that gift of teaching, which but any of us, we're all called to disciple. Um, so again, it's so important to disciple and ground people in the truth of the word so that they won't stray away. You know, so many times we lead somebody, you know, to Messiah, and then we just kind of leave them to fend for themselves, even though they have the Ruach, but many times they fall away. Why? Because right away the enemy comes in to steal the word of God from them. This gift builds up the body by adding new members to its fellowship apostleship now again in the in the new testament the requirement to be considered an apostle in the first century was they had to uh, have walked with mashiach yeshua and also had been a witness of his resurrection and uh again the the book of acts says that he more than 500 people were witnesses to his resurrection 500 that he chose to be witnesses along with the 12 the inner circle that were witnesses to their resurrection so they can go forth and proclaim the word and say, yes, I know he rose. And our faith is based upon their witness. You know, the word says, you know, on, on, the, for, on the basis of two or three witnesses that every word be established. Well, we have more than three witnesses to Messiah's resurrection. We have like 500, read it in the book of Acts of his resurrection. Apostleship today is a little different. Uh, again, it's uh, apostleship can be uh, those who plant congregations. You know, uh, we planted this congregation and hopefully when our time is done that there'll be somebody else that we've been able to raise up if Yeshua should tarry, as I say, uh, to take over their community. So it'll continue to reach out. So they plant congregations, they plant messianic congregations and communities in order for them to grow and be a light in the area that God's called them to, to be. They also, again, could be function as missionaries who go to other countries to help plant congregations or your local community or whatever. Uh, service and helps. This is a huge need in the body of Messiah. Those with the gift of service or helps recognize practical needs in the body and joyfully give assistance to meeting those needs. Believers with this gift do not mind working behind the scenes. Again, if you have a, a congregation, they don't mind cleaning the bathrooms. They don't mind helping to set up and take down. They consider it a joy and a privilege because they are doing it as unto Messiah. They don't mind helping out, helping the teachers and the children's ministry or the youth ministry. They don't mind helping to uh, help the, you know, be an administrator, help type up things if needed, help do, like, there's so much need within the body that people think that that is beneath them. But people in the give, in the minute have that gift of helps have a servant's heart and they just want to do whatever they can to help to meet the needs of the body. And they do it joyfully, not looking to uh, have people know who they are. Uh, the gift of mercy. Mercy has cheerful acts of compassion character, uh, characterize those with the gift of mercy. Persons with this gift aid the body by emphasizing uh, with hurting members. They keep the body healthy and unified by keeping others aware of the needs within the community of the Messiah. Again, this is needed, especially in counseling. This is needed 
to function in unity as a body. Because a lot of times we just look at the natural and right away we're ready to judge a person, not knowing what they have gone through, what is going on in their heart. Because a lot of times their outward actions are trying to hide the hurt and pain inside. And that gift of mercy looks past what we're seeing. And we listen to the Ruach and he reveals, oh, you know, so-and-so, this is what's going on in their life. This is, you know, you need to give them mercy and mercy isn't, you know, isn't okay. Well, I understand that's okay. Just, you know, keep on with your, you know, with your pity party, keep on, you know, walking in the flesh. No mercy says, listen. Uh, And again, um, Priscilla will bring this up in her teachings, how to get free from those things, how to allow God to break down those walls you put in your heart. Uh, that is trying to protect yourself from being hurt by others. Believe me, we've been through this. I've been through that. I had to go through a lot of healing when I was first a believer um, to uh, get to the point where I am now. So we all need, again, that mercy. And we see Yeshua operating in that gift of mercy time and time again, where the religious leaders are ready to condemn somebody. And Yeshua showed mercy and forgiveness, not approving of their sin, because how many times you say, go and sin no more, but with compassion, delivering them from that situation. The gift of giving. Members with the gift of giving give freely and joyfully to the work and mission of the body. Cheerfulness and liberality are characteristics of individuals with this gift. Again, we saw this in the synagogue that we were uh, blessed to be able to use. It was an old synagogue in, in Westchester. It actually had his its beginnings in Maywood and it was established there for over 100 years. And it was kind of a, a dying out uh, congregation. People were getting old, passing away moving, you know, uh, young people wanted a more, it was a conservative synagogue. People wanted a more, you know, contemporary synagogue. And this is how God gave us favor because they knew we were messianic. You know, they knew we believed that Yeshua was the Messiah. And this was a conservative congregation. And, uh, but this is how the father gave us favor. And I'm just giving you this background regarding, so I can show you how a synagogue functions in that gift of giving. So we met with the president of the synagogue and, um, you know, we discussed, well, what, you know, what we could afford to pay, you know, they didn't require us to sign, sign any kind of document. This is no, our word between us is good enough. I mean, again, this is the father's favor. And uh, so we were able to meet in that synagogue, the small group that was left there, they would meet early in the morning for prayer together. And then we would come in afterwards and we cleaned that synagogue up because it was in great disrepair and we cleaned it up. We did everything we could to be a blessing with them. Uh, we, we did, they came to our Hanukkah celebrations. We came to their uh, feast we came to um yeah their yam kippur services and you know they were kind of a little leery of us but they were you know they were accepting and allowing us to join in and what the president of the synagogue says well i don't want you proselytizing our people and <laughs> my response back was well you know i appreciate you know your concern but if they ask us our question ask those questions, we're going to answer them truthfully. And he was like, okay with that again. And they did have questions. 
Uh, some of the men had questions for our elder at that time and, and you know, Minister Scott, and we were able to share. So, I mean, you know, seeds were planted, but when you went into the synagogue and it was really a cool synagogue, it was like shaped in an arch and in its heydays, it must've been absolutely gorgeous. Um, and you, they had like actually five Torah scrolls and these a kosher Torah scroll, again, is a handwritten scroll on uh, sheepskin and you know kosher skin, and uh, a handwritten Torah scroll can go anywhere from thirty to fifty thousand dollars. So they had five of them, and most synagogues have a multitude of Torah scrolls. And on the Torah scroll, it said donated by, you know, donated by. Well, there was people within the congregation who had the money to do it, actually purchased these Torah scrolls for the synagogue. They had that gift of giving, <clears throat> even though they didn't realize it was, you know, a gift from the father. They had that gift of giving all the chairs on the synagogue. There was little nameplates donated by, donated by uh, the Bema, different, you know, things in the synagogue. Why? They, they had the gift of seeing a need. And when that need was made known, if they had the, uh, the resources to do it, they fulfilled that need. They had, again, it's a, a given with cheerfulness and liberality as characteristics of the individuals with this gift. Again, this is above, above and beyond uh, the tithe, which you know, we believe in tithing uh, and above and beyond that as well. So again, and if you don't, that's between you and the father, but it is a Torah-based teaching. Uh, but we need to have a heart, a heart of giving, you know, and if we, if we belong to a community, if we see a need and we have the ability to meet that need, you know, we should do whatever we can to fulfill that need. Uh, hospitality, those with this gift have the ability to make visitors, guests, and strangers feel at ease. They often use their home to entertain guests. Persons with this gift in integrate new members into the body. Again, that was one of the requirements for somebody who was called to be a, a deacon. They had to be somebody who was hospitable. They were, had to be somebody who opened their homes to others. Many times we opened our homes to people that didn't have a place to live, you know, for a period of time. Uh, when guest speakers came in, you know, the majority of them stayed at our house. Uh, and again, it's, a, it's having a open arms. And when people come to the congregation, which is, quote, the, you know, uh, Bait House of the Father, we want to make sure that people are welcome, that they feel welcome here. Um, even if they don't come back, we give a welcome pack so they understand what we believe, what we're about. Uh, God has gifted you with the expression of his Ruach HaGodesh to support his vision and mission of the community of Messiah. Again, the community of Messiah has been hurt by uh, the fact that for years and years, women have been held back from fulfilling what God has called them to do. They, you know, said no to what God said yes to. Again, it's a worldwide vision to reach all people with the gospel or basora of Messiah. As a servant leader, God desires that you know how he has gifted you. Again, know your gifts. This will lead you to where he would have you to serve as a part of his vision and mission for the community of of Messiah. Again, you are that piece of the body. You are that, again, referred to as a piece of the puzzle that makes the whole picture whole. We all have to fulfill our gifts and our callings. 
So what type of ministry do you feel called to? What burns in your heart? So first you have to come before the Father. And I'll tell you how this worked in my life as an example. I always knew that I had a, a call to teach uh, and to uh, be in ministry, even as a child. And the Father, uh, again, there was a time where because I didn't have uh, parental support, you know, I loved Messiah with my whole heart as a child, but my parents weren't believers. And I was really persecuted for that belief. You know, they thought they were doing the right thing, but, um, and my parents were divorced. So there was a lot going on in my life. And my grandmother, you know, bless her memory, hallelujah, may her memory be a blessing, who really taught me the word of God. She said, you know, because I couldn't, you know, I was kept from doing what the father wanted me to do because I was still young. I was under the authority of my parents and it really broke my heart as a child. And she's, you know, she said, she goes, God knows your heart and one day you will serve him. So that was a prophetic word. So I went through a wild time in my life. Um, again, I'm a product of uh, the 60s, you know, spirit of rebellion that started raising up. But in my heart, I was never happy there. In my heart, I knew this was wrong, you know, and that the father had something better for me. And over 48 years ago, I gave my life to Messiah. It wasn't a fancy schmancy prayer. I said, Father, I have messed up my life about as much as I can do it. I give my life to you, whatever you can, however you can use me, whatever you can do, I give myself to you. I thank you that I put my faith in Yeshua as my Messiah, actually returning to him. And I never have looked back in these 48 years. But it was, again, a growth, growth process. You are not put into ministry, you know, full-time ministry or necessarily that particular call the day you're born again. No, you have to be discipled. You have to, the Father is going to lead you and guide you and train you along the way. And that's what he did for me. I mean, I attended a Christian Bible school because there wasn't any Messianic Bible schools or probably hardly any Messianic congregations, if any. Uh, and... Again, I, you know, I worked and as I was working, I shared and just continually grew in the word. Uh, people would have words that I knew were um, from, these were people that had, were strong men and women of God, but especially the majority of the words came through other women of God to encourage me and to confirm what God had called me to do. And again, sometimes it was like, again, we didn't become, this ministry didn't start until it was like 24 years ago, but the prior 24 years were all training and preparation and doing whatever my hand set to do. And some of these ministries while I'm showing you, I have been involved in every single one of them. Uh, first children's ministry, we have a great need for uh, women, you know, and men, but I'm focusing on women to teach and train children, train, disciple children. Yes, the main discipleship should come from the household, should come from the parents. But again, this uh, children's ministry, showing them how to work with one another, how to re respect one another, how to walk, developing their gifts in them as they're younger. I would volunteer and help. I helped in the nursery. I helped in the children's ministry. Uh, I helped in the youth ministry. I was, again, the head of a 
of a ministry in our community, but every head was required to help out. You know, we've had people in our congregation, you know, regarding helping out with children, this was years before, would make the comment, I raised my children. I don't need to be raising somebody else's. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the kind of attitude is we don't want you in the children's ministry then. We want somebody who has a heart for children. And we've had some great children's ministers. One of our best was uh, Ruth, uh, Ruth Cruz, who will be listening to this. She's on our board and she's been part of our ministry for oh, probably over 17 years. And she was a great children's uh, minister and was such a blessing. And, and she still is a blessing. Uh, writing, maybe the father has given you the gift to write. Um, I used to, before I was saved, I used to write poetry all the time, but it was more worldly po poetry. So I ended up tossing it once I got born again, but that gift of writing was already there. That was something that I had in my spirit always as well was to be writing. And uh, even though in the flesh, I thought, well, I can't do that. I don't have the ability to do that. I can't write a novel. Well, the father hasn't called me to write a novel. <laughs> He's called me to write curriculum and teaching. Um, and there were prophetic words given on that, but I put them on the shelf because it wasn't God's timing. I had things to learn, uh, but now I am, I have written, you know, many books. And again, based on curriculum, based on, I've written uh, four or five uh, devotionals, um, some devotionals just for the feast and daily devotionals again. And this is a gift of the Ruach that I, you know, never thought that I would be doing because I thought it was beyond me, you know, that I didn't have the ability to do that. But the father knew uh, ministry of helps, you know, every congregation I was a part of and actually I wasn't, you know, involved in, I was probably maybe four congregations involved in four congregations before God called me back into the, you know, into my roots, my calling the messianic ministry, where everywhere I was, I was there to help. I was there to help the pastor, to help the leadership and my husband as well, whatever, you know, they needed done. I was just so excited to be able to be used of God, no matter what it was. I was always, you know, volunteering again, these, this was all a training process. This was all a testing process. Do I have a servant's heart? Am I willing to serve in the most uh, unknown or unrecognized ministry? Yes, I was. Again, this was all training youth ministry. I was never a youth leader, but I helped out in the youth ministry. Why? Because God was training us. Uh, but there are people who are specifically called to these different aspects of ministry, and there is no ministry that is lower than the other. Uh, again, every ministry is important. And as Ephesians chapter four says, is that our job as a fivefold ministry is to train those for the work of the ministry to uh, till we come to the maturity uh, of our walk in Messiah so that we become like Messiah, his example, how he walked and to reach the lost for him and to bring them back in. Again, the, the bulk of the work is done uh, <clears throat> within the community of Messiah. Then there's teaching ministry. Some of you may be called to a traveling teaching ministry. That's what I thought I was going to do, <laughs> you know, but the father, he had other plans for me. And, you know, that is doing what I'm doing now. Again, our, our ministry is we have people, you know, all over the world that come to our website um, and I don't know who they are and it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's, you know, but in the natural, it looks like 
you know, well, we only have a small group here. Well, you know, it doesn't matter. You need to be faithful where you're at. But some are called, you know, to a teaching ministry within the community. Some are called your local community. Some are called to a teaching ministry outside the community. Uh, like Dina, she's yeah, very much has a, a big outside community reach. Um, women's prison ministry. I was involved in men and women's prison ministry for five years. I worked with the chaplains, went in as a group. Uh, actually, the women's ministry, I went in by myself, but the men's ministry, it was always with a group to share the word of God. That's something that, you know, burned in my heart. And uh, I did some ministry to, to women's prison ministry as well, went in there and uh, ministered the word, but ministered to them personally as well, being that I was a, a, a hairdresser. I had my own business, um, my own uh, hair salon. I worked on Rush Street, which was a very uh, elite place to work as a hairdresser and eventually had my own place. When I became a believer, I used that ministry. I used that business as a ministry to preach the gospel and praying, playing Christian music, having tracks out there, you know, uh, being an, an encouragement to the women and even the men, because we were, you know, quote, unisex, what it was called, I did, you know, cut both men and women's hair. But I brought those, that knowledge into there, and they allowed me to be able to do, uh, put, do makeup with the women and fix their hair. And it built them their, you know, their self-esteem up. And it was just a really blessing and then ministering God's love to them. Uh, again, women's ministry, there's a great need. Maybe God's called you to a women's ministry. You're specifically called to teach women and build them up and teach and train them. Nursing home, again, I've been involved in every single one of these except the traveling ministry. Nursing home, going in to these nursing homes, having Bible studies with them, going there and just loving them and encouraging them because so many of them have been um, deserted by their families, put in a home to be forgotten. Again, there's a great ministry there going, be faithfully going in there week by week. And we know COVID has really uh, kind of caused some issues with that, but doors are opening. We cannot walk in fear. They need to be encouraged and to be loved and to be shared the love of Messiah because they're towards the end of their life. I mean, they're ready to enter, getting ready to enter into eternity, whether eternity separated from the father in hell, which unfortunately people, most people don't talk about anymore, or to go into the blessing of eternal life with Messiah. It's a greatly needed ministry, music ministry. People are called who are been given the gift of uh, being musicians, being songwriters to the glory of the Father, um, and to be, again, lead the congregation in worship, bringing them to the throne of God. Again, the purpose of of, mu of music ministry is not to entertain. The purpose of the musician, again, we see that in the temple, is to bring people into the presence of God, to bring them into the worship of the Father, not to entertain. A business as a ministry. Again, I used when I had my, my hair salon uh, and I worked for other salons that were Christians as well. I used that to, to minister the word of God. I would even have Bible studies on days that we were closed um, and to share the love of Messiah with people. Again, you don't know how many people you are touching. You won't know 
until eternity, how many people you've probably touched with the love and truth of Messiah. Again, evangelism. We are all called to evangelize. We are all called to preach the gospel of Messiah. Some are called to be full-time evangelists, you know, as we we see uh, in the life of um, Philip. Philip was an evangelist. Uh, we see, again, to preach uh, the gospel, but we're all called to evangelize. We're all called, and along with evangelism comes discipleship. We have a, within our ministry, we have a door-to-door ministry where we have door hangers that say, do you need prayer? Call us. And it gives a link to our website. And we go door-to-door and hang these on on people's doorknobs as well, uh, weather permitting. Uh, Again, we do whatever we can. We may not see fruit from it in our life, but we, you know, we're still giving them here. This is a place where you can hear the truth. This is a place where people can pray for you. Uh, healing ministry. Again, this is a gift of the Ruach. Again, Yeshua says every believer um, has been given the call to pray for the sick, uh, but some have given a specific healing ministry. God has given them that gift. Again, all the glory and honor should go to him because it is his spirit, his gift that brings the healing. We are just those vessels to bring the truth, bring the word of, of healing to people intercessory prayer. This is, again, a ministry that is behind the scenes. It's, uh, you know, unless some people are called to teach it, and maybe they're more on the forefront, but the majority of intercessors who have this gift are behind the scenes. They're the spiritual warriors. They're the ones that are holding up the hands of of their leaders in the congregation and different, you know, ministries. They are the ones that are doing the warfare, yet they are unrecognized. Nobody knows what they're doing, but their reward is great. Intercessory prayer, we're all called to intercessory prayer, but those there are those who are called specifically, this is their call to intercede for the body. And it doesn't matter if the Ruach wakes them up at two, three, four in the morning to be praying for somebody, they get up and they start praying. Again, what has God called you to do in ministry? I made a list, sorry, I had to move to get it of just different, again, different areas that we can, that God can use us as his women in ministry. Uh, Again, ministry opportunities, wherever there is people, there's a ministry opportunity. Again, I always share with people in our congregation, we all have a a sphere of influence, Uh, our families, our friends, our coworkers that we can share the word with. So again, I just made a kind of a list of, ministry opportunities there are for us and again our heart should be father i want to be well known i want to have the biggest congregation i want to have the biggest ministry i want to have the most followers on facebook that's a wrong attitude our attitude should always be that of a servant and our attitude should always be this is for the building up of the kingdom not me so some areas of ministry opportunities Uh, again i just shared intercessory prayer nursing homes, flea markets, witnessing, we would go to flea markets, set up a tent and give books and material out for free and minister to people. And we're gonna be doing that again. Uh, Businesses, whether they be uh, an online business or you have a physical location, God has called you to be a business for his kingdom and glory. Uh, Arts, crafts, um, again, using your gifts to be a blessing for his glory writing, 
uh, volunteer work, missions, local and others, politics. Some have, you know, there's some wonderful conservative women out there who have made great strides for the kingdom in their position in politics. And uh, several of them are believers or, you know, volunteering locally for, you know, the political, you know, uh, your political um, you know, area where you live, uh, again, making sure that we want to support those that have biblical values. Uh, children's ministry, again, women's ministry, youth ministry, Shabbat school teacher, administrative, again, that ties in with business, but it could also tie in with uh, ministries. Uh, Christian entertainment, again, there's many Christians that are using their ability to give, bring forth good Christian values in movies and programs. Uh, music, maybe God's called you to be a songwriter, a singer, a musician. Um, medical field, maybe he's called you to be a doctor, a lawyer, whatever. There's women in all these fields. Hospital volunteer. Uh, you can volunteer at your local hospital to uh, be a blessing to people, or even a hospital chaplain. Uh, ministry of Helps in the Congregation, Women's Prison Ministry, Widows and Orphans Ministry, uh, Accounts Biblical Counselor, Pro-Life Outreach. We have a pro-outreach out in our ministry called uh, Psalm 139, Let Me Live, or we'll go to in working with other uh, pro-life groups, go pray at the local abortion clinic. And again, that is getting even more and more dangerous because they are being more and more attacked. But we are called to pray and intercede and help these women come to the truth. And this one group, 40 Days for Life, has, has seen many, many, many women uh, decide not to get an abortion and to give their child life. So that is a very important ministry. Being an entrepreneur, again, tied in with business or the creative area, homeless ministry, providing food and clothing. Again, there's so many uh, ministries that are out there. And we're firm believer that the local community, the local congre congregation or kahila is the heart of ministry. Uh, you see that in the book of Acts, that that is where people are called forth into their ministry. That's where they are taught, they are trained. That's where they function as a community. That's where they reach the world for Messiah. Again, the local community is so important. And to belong to a local community, Messianic community, uh, if you're fortunate enough. Again, we've seen <coughs> many, many people try to start uh, Messianic congregations, and there's so much disorder because nobody knows how to walk in order or walk in the calling. Everybody wants to be the head. Nobody wants to be the helper. And these ministries ends up, end up falling apart. Why? Because of disorder within the community. We need to walk according to God's order of calling and leadership and work together as a team for his kingdom and his glory. Again, don't try to walk in someone else's calling. Walk in the calling Adonai has given you. Again, everybody, we may look at, wow, they have such a great ministry. And, you know, I like how they do things. Well, you know what? You need to go before the Father. What have you called me to do? I mean, we are not to be uh, uh, imitating somebody else's ministry. We are be, to walk in our own unique calling and grow in that and be faithful in that. Again, don't try to walk in somebody else's calling. 
walk in the calling Adonai has given you. Well, this is the end of part one. I'm going to continue on with this in part two. So uh, Shalom and Yeshua, we will be back.